the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The news never stops. Life goes on around town and around the world. You need a talk show that keeps track of it. A program with bold opinions that's always open to your views. That is this show. Welcome to the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. Welcome, everybody. It is New Hampshire, the morning after What Lies Ahead. What lies ahead in the White House race? What lies ahead as the Biden White House pretty well declares war on the state of Texas and its efforts to uh, to protect our border? If the country won't, we will. That seems to be the Texas position. Let us examine the positions of Senator John Cornyn, who joins us for the first time in the new year. So happy new year, sir, and welcome. How are you doing? Thanks, Mark. Good to be back with you. Great to have you here. Surprised by last night in New Hampshire at all? Not really. Um, as you saw, I uh, I decided that um, the most important thing we could do this year in uh, 2024 is beat Joe Biden, and I uh, and I called for uh, Republicans to get behind a single candidate, President Trump, who had a commanding win last night as he did in Iowa, and I uh, predict he will romp in South Carolina as well. So rather than rather than be divided, I think being unified. In opposition to President Biden is our most important job right now. We had, uh, it became a three-person race, and there was one rival in DeSantis who seemed to be a way to get Trump policies in maybe a more disciplined package, a guy who can serve two terms, a guy who's not going to turn 80. And DeSantis made his best pitch, and it just didn't sell. And in Nikki Haley, you have someone with a somewhat more moderate appeal, a somewhat more globalist establishment appeal. There's no path forward for her. And DeSantis at least had the wisdom to get out. I don't want to be unkind to her. She's a woman of consequence. She's she's had two jobs and done pretty well at them that are a big deal, ambassador and governor. But, man, uh, we are spinning wheels and wasting time if we don't uh, realize the way the, 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 the field is striped. I agree. I agree. She She's got a great future. I mean, she's a relatively young woman compared to the current occupant of the White House and, mm-hmm. and uh, President Trump. And, um, but, you know, I think people are angry uh, at the status quo. And uh, President Trump has, has uh, figured out uh, how to identify the things that are making people angry at Washington, whether it's the, uh, the border or the economy or our standing in, in, in the world. Uh, and the feckless of uh, of the the Biden administration when it comes to supporting our friends and uh, opposing our enemies. I'm always interested in people's endorsement journey. Um, like more than half, I think, of the Texas House delegation has endorsed Trump a long time ago. Ted Cruz took until just a few days ago. His logic essentially was, "I'm going to see what the voters think." Was that kind of it? Like, kind of let's see what the voters say and see how wind blows, and and sort of stay out of it until then. What was what what has been your endorsement journey? Well, honestly, Mark, I've you know I've been in politics a while now, and I think endorsements every every candidate wants an endorsement, but it, they don't really count certainly compared to the vote of the uh, the, the primary voters. And I, to me, I. 
I, I respect the right of the primary voters, the caucus voters in Iowa, primary voters in New Hampshire to choose our nominee. Uh, this is not a decision that should be made behind closed doors or by, you know, folks in Washington, D.C. or in Austin or anywhere else. That's It's the voter's choice, and I, I respect that. And uh, my endorsement uh, last night reflects that respect. The Texas primary is March 5th. Early voting starts Feb 20. So here we come. I mean, as South Carolina's Feb 24, and then all the Super Tuesday stuff will, will uh, unfold thereafter. Uh, there's a lot of attention. There's actually a uh, one of those questions they ask us, one of those ballot propositions where Texas Republicans will be asked, uh, should we close the primaries? Is this this crossover voting for the birds? It is the only reason that Nikki Haley didn't finish with 20 percent is that independents and actual Democrats went and voted for her. Is that mischief that sort of subverts what primaries should be about, where party faithful figure out who their standard bearers should be? I don't have any problem with that. Um, I don't see it as a huge issue in in Texas. If, uh, I've run in a number of primaries, and uh, you know, typically, repeat primary voters are the target for advertising, and those are the ones you're talking to. And then once the primaries are over, then you uh, broaden your appeal to uh, to people who are uh, who are not primary voters, who are general election voters, which you need to win. So. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with closing the primary, but I don't see it as a huge issue in Texas. If the primary race is as over as it seems to be, uh, I've had a really interesting time doing some Trump vice presidential derby talk. and We have no idea who he might pick. He he had said a couple of weeks ago, I found my guy. I've picked it. I knew who it's going to be. And folks close to the president said that the name he had in mind was former New York Congressman Lee Zeldin. That's pretty cool. So is Tim Scott. So is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So, I mean, I've, what's been your I'm not going to ask you for a favorite necessarily unless you want to give me one. But what's been your thought about the names floated for Trump VP and what should be the characteristics of somebody who would help him the most? Well, I, I, I think Tim Scott would be a great choice. Um, I've served with Tim for a uh, a number of years here in the Senate, uh, he is he is Reagan-esque in his appeal to the better angel of our natures, and uh, I think is very well prepared to talk about uh, what's so great about America. As you know, he was born to a, a single parent and uh, and had a kind of a rocky uh, adolescence until he found a mentor who set him on the right path, and and he can talk about the American dream, and I think again uh, appeal to uh, our native optimism and our hopes for the future. So I, I would think uh, if it were up to me and it's not, uh, Tim Scott would be a great choice. Uh, another senator comes to mind and, and that he's a, a new arrival, but quite the rock star seems complimentary to the Trump model. It's our buddy J.D. Vance over there in all important Ohio. Yeah, J.D. is a great guy. Actually, I don't know if you know, remember this, Mark, but J.D., when he was at Yale Law School, uh, worked in my office uh, on the Judiciary Committee. Sweet. This is, this is before he became famous, he, before he wrote Hillbilly Elegy. Uh-huh. But so it's fun to see, to have J.D. back in uh, in the Senate. And uh, and I think he's got a great future. Um, it, it's a little early, uh, probably. Um, and, you know, maybe after a, a term or two, uh, he'd have a shot. 
Uh, but maybe he could go for the top spot. Well, it is it is interesting because he is, I believe, thirty nine, and Vivek has has been has moments of genius, but he's like thirty seven. What? Well, give me thirty seconds on Vivek. He's so right on so many things and so bold, and on climate and gender. Quite frankly, he is saying things that all y'all should be saying. But it was a little wacky on a couple of debate stages at times. What's what the Vivek phenomenon through your eyes? Yeah, I don't know what the case was that he was trying to make. I mean, he's a he's a fascinating guy, obviously a very successful businessman. He's a rapper. Um, I mean, what more could you want? Uh, exactly. But, but he wasn't really steeped in, in uh, governance or in the issues, uh, whether it's foreign policy or domestic policy. Um, again, I think maybe he'd have a, have a future in uh, President Trump's cabinet or in some position like that. I don't really think he was. This was the right job for him. A reference to uh, to Vivek uh, doing knowing every word to Eminem's "Lose Yourself." I felt very old on on that particular day. Last thing on on the Veep stakes, without going any particular names. When you think about a Lee Zeldin, when you think about a a JD Vance, a lot of people go, "Ooh, I don't know." Is is it problematic for Trump to run with another white man? You know that's what the Democrats are all about. You know, Kamala Harris was uh, picked as the vice president because she checked all the boxes, mm-hmm. but she's incredible disappointment. And, um, and uh, so I think, I think, you know, Republicans, I think most Americans would prefer the president to pick somebody who could serve as president at some time in the future and who'd be able to help him uh, in his next administration. So I, I prefer merit rather than identity politics. And, and, the, and the good news is from Tim Scott to Sarah Sanders to Elise Stefanik, we have some people who have absolute merit, some of whom are n- not white and not men, and some of them are neither, so we'll move forward. Exactly. Right, let, let us, so hey, let's, the Biden White House, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm really not trying to be hyperbolic in talking about the, the war they have waged on the state of Texas. The, the as you and I have chronicled forever together and separately, the Biden White House is not serious about the border. Governor Abbott and local officials are. So the idea arose in Texas. Doggone it. We're going to protect our own border. We're going to have Texas National Guard. We're going to put up razor wire. We're going to cordon off a park. And, and here come the feds and the Supreme Court, Senator, the Supreme Court saying that the Biden White House can send the, the CBP folks down to snip the razor wire. What's your thought on how all of this has played out? Well, traditionally, you know, the border is a federal responsibility, but what, what's the state supposed to do when the feds don't do their job? And uh, Texas is a sovereign state. We have 50 sovereign states as part of the United States. But I think it's in, uh, Governor Abbott's entirely correct in saying if the federal government's not going to do its job, we will do it. Um, we're the ones on the front line, and uh, this we've, we're the ones that suffered the the burdens and the, the the challenges of the Biden border crisis. So I I support Governor Abbott and his efforts. Well, I do too. Now let's let's ratchet it up, uh, crank it up to eleven here. Uh, I think Chip Roy might not be the only member of the House uh, to say, okay, Supreme Court can have its lovely little opinion about what the feds can do, but he is calling on the state of Texas on Governor Abbott to. I don't want to say thwart the Supreme Court or thumb their nose or defy them, but simply to continue to. My understanding is this morning of Texas National Guard is putting up more razor wire. Is that okay? 
I think, you know, this harkens back to, I think it's 1830 when Andrew Jackson uh, said to Chief Justice Marshall after a Supreme Court opinion, uh, Chief Justice Marshall has made his decision, now let him enforce it. So I think I, I would keep doing what needs to be done. And uh, I think, uh, as, as Governor Abbott said after the Supreme Court made its decision, uh, this is not over. Uh, I think there's going to be further litigation, and uh, I would say, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Spectacular quote. Just the, 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 this is why everybody should be a history buff, because every once in a while there are moments you can reach back in, in this particular case, almost two centuries, for a wonderful, wonderful quote like that. Having invoked Supreme Courts uh, then and now, let's let's wrap up with this. The uh, You know, John Roberts is a mixed bag anyway. Amy Coney Barrett, What? And I don't want or need the Supreme Court to do my political bidding. I didn't want Roe v. Wade overturned because I'm pro-life. I wanted it overturned because Roe v. Wade was unconstitutional. I believe the state of Texas is on the right side of the Constitution. John Roberts failing to see that is not a shocker. Amy Coney Barrett is disillusioning. It's just continuing proof that you can get Trump nominees, Reagan nominees, conservative nominees, and they don't always do what you think they're going to do. Well, you remember David Souter. Yeah, a little bit. And uh, what a what a disappointment he was. Um, obviously, once these judges are confirmed, they have lifetime tenure. They're supposed to be separated from politics. Sometimes I, wor- I worry that they're not entirely separated from politics. But, you know, the, the good thing about this is this, this is just a temporary um, a temporary holding. This isn't the end of this litigation. And I think the Supreme Court is going to have to come to grips with, uh, you know, what what can a sovereign state like Texas do when the federal government doesn't do its job? Um, I think that's a, a harder question than than uh, than they indicated in their in their temporary decision. So it's early 2024. Here we come. We have the Trump endorsement from you. We have things to do. We want to expand our lead in the House, and we'd really, really like to to have a Republican Senate. What do we need to do? What do we need to do to achieve that? Well, we've got we've got three, I'd say, great races in um, in West Virginia, where Governor Jim Justice is is uh, going to be the next senator from West Virginia. He's got a primary and a and a uh, general, but I think he's the favorite candidate. Uh, Tim Sheehy is a former Navy SEAL running in Montana against John Tester. I, I like his chances. And then there's three three. Uh, candidates in Ohio. You mentioned Ohio earlier, where J.D. Vance won last mm-hmm. last cycle, and uh, you know Ohio has gotten redder and redder over the years. So uh, we're fifty-one forty-nine now. I I like our chances to get at least three. You might be even even able to add Pennsylvania, Michigan, and, and uh, Nevada to that too. So Jim Justice is going to fill the Joe Manchin vacancy. You still run across Joe. Is Joe going to do this? And pardon me, because I, I, I really like Joe. This stupid, no labels, independent, squishy. Don't define me by. It's just, it just, just figure out what you are, everybody. Figure out what you are. But that's the Joe Manchin vacancy. So, a, do you run into Joe and what's in his head? And two, where are, are we? Are, a and two, a and b. And the reason Jim Justice is going to win is that Joe Manchin was the only kind of Democrat who can really win in increasingly conservative. West Virginia. That's that's exactly right. I always say that Joe Manchin is a hard guy not to like. Yep. I mean, he's yep. just he's a very, he's a likable you know likable guy. But he, I think he was lost uh, as a Democrat because it reminds me of some of the more conservative Democrats who uh, in Texas years ago that ultimately migrated over to the Republican Party. But to your point, 
he's the last man standing in terms of Democrats in West Virginia. And I just think, you know, time, the clock ran out on him. Um, and everybody else, almost without exception, is a Republican in West Virginia. That's happening in a number of states. I mentioned Ohio, Montana, included, uh, in, uh, moving that direction. Um, so uh, Joe, I don't think, is going to run for president. I think he'd, you know, he'd like to figure something like that out. I can't imagine how that would work. In Montana, John Tester is that curious kind of Democrat who has kind of a local boy kind of appeal. He ran a good, smart campaign to be a Democrat winning in Montana, but hopefully his shelf life's about to run out. In Ohio, you're talking about some if somebody beating Sherrod Brown. That ain't going to be easy. No. No, Sherrod Brown's a very, a very skilled uh, politician, but he is about as uh, radical as they come. And uh, I think, uh, again, time has run out on him. But we have three great candidates, any one of whom I think can run a great race against uh, against uh, Sherrod Brown. And the good news, Mark, is that if President Trump's at the top of the ticket, which I predict he will be, uh, he will help each of those Senate candidates in each of those three states. They're pretty Trump, Trump's big Trump supporters in each of those states. Very cool. Last thing for for anytime somebody with with your political astute uh, skills, uh, RFK Jr. Factor or no. I'm sorry. RFK Jr. A factor as an independent or no? Uh, I I don't think so. I mean, I think he's sort of a curiosity. People don't really know they know his name, but they don't really know what he stands for or what he would do. Um, I think I would worry if I were Joe Biden because he's going to take some votes away from him. Uh, but you know, the Biden Biden uh, is more or less uh, the only thing he's got going for him is he's going to run against. President Trump. He's got very little to show for his four years as president. A lot of real big problems, including the border. And uh, I think it's going to be just a negative campaign against Trump. Our visit lived up to its expectations. I think we ticked off 10, perhaps even 11 issues, as we always do to our great delight. Senator John Cornyn, thank you, sir. Best wishes in the new year. I know we'll be talking soon and always appreciate your time. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Senator John Cornyn, uh, John Cornyn, uh, send John Cornyn on Twitter and cornyn.senate.gov, the senatorial website. Mark Davis, 824. It's a glorious choice on the musical birthdays. Mama, where's your pretty little girl you're going to hear some Neil Diamond today because he's 83. And you're going to get you some Warren Zavon. Would have been 76 today. Accidentally like a martyr from Excitable Boy, one of the just countless great wrongs. All righty, let us work our way into the newsroom. And then uh, let's, as we're working our way toward 9.05, Carrie DeMore will join us on the challenger side of the Brent Hagen Boo residency uh, kerfuffle there in uh, Senate District 30, yet to be uh, uh, worked out by a court. But will they have anything to say before the actual primary happens? That's 9.05. Uh, New Hampshire the morning after, some of the Trump speech, some analysis on on the let, 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 let me craft it in the following way 866-660-5759 always try to invite c- contrarian views and what i mean is this somebody please give me the logic for her staying in give me any positive for nikki haley staying in all right why don't you give, give that a try we'll see how that works out as we head to your calls into the patriot mobile text line next 831 right now mark davis nikki in the newsroom
If we roll out some Patsy Cline, one of two reasons. Number one, I love her, and that's if just a basic. But today, the other reason we roll out with some Patsy with Leave It On Your Mind, Rhonda's mom on her mind, 2007, correct? 2007, yes. Seems like yesterday. It's it's funny. Uh, my parents passed in both of them in 98, and you always, I don't know, as, as long as you have a parent on the planet, you're somebody's child. You know what I mean? I, I think somebody told me that when my mom and dad went. But it's uh, they 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 never they never leave you. They they never ever leave you. And uh, and you said Christian was just a baby at the time, right? Oh, he was eleven days old. It was it was it was a really crazy few months. It definitely, it came suddenly, so I didn't get to really say goodbye the way that uh, you know that you would like to with a parent. It was it was unexpected. We lost her to an aneurysm, and that's why the Shelley Luther story you yeah. know hit really hit home and. And hearing last time you had her on air and and how she just really just miraculously appeared. But not everyone make it. But it's it's uh, it's always meant so much to me when you share your stories. And I'm I'm sure our listeners can relate when you share the story of losing your parents, because each of us, it's uh, you probably you're probably familiar with the term. It's it's the club that you don't want anybody right. that you love. Nobody ever wants to, to join. join. Yep. And um and it, it does give you a certain um interest uh, uh, perspective uh, to share with people and and that that have lost their parent. And so I I just always love to share um hear you talk about your parents and and certainly we as the radio listening family and your listeners uh, went through the loss of Lisa losing both of her parents and 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 it's just it's never a good time um but I guess it's always a good time to celebrate the ones that have passed before us just by going out and living life to its fullest and making them proud which you certainly certainly do so there's Thank a little you, Patsy Mark. a little Rhonda a little Thank memory there as we and it's also you know what if you're, you're walking around saying wow both my parents are still alive you know what how about cherishing and embracing that 866-660-5759 uh, let us uh, cherish and embrace some of the audio from last night there's certainly and, and there's been a lot of back and forth as to exactly what the Trump perspective ought to be on having one uh, was it uh, was it a smidge of, uh, he was so gracious following Iowa he was nice to Ron, nice to Nikki. Uh, last night, not so much. I mean, Ron's not there anymore, so he's been very nice to him. And the the whole Nikki Haley uh, phenomenon now, just why, just why? You know, what what exactly is the the rationale now? And uh, it's the, the speculation on the Patriot Mobile text line is rampant. That she is looking to to uh, do do something in the future in media, uh, and a Trump hate. And it's kind of funny. She's she doesn't deliver the kind of Trump hatred, even that that Governor Chris Sununu did. Uh, she uh, didn't um, deliver the the kind of Trump hatred that uh, that Chris Christie did. But Trump is in her way, and. And for that reason, she is going to characterize him in some dark and foreboding ways uh, that are just not going to to work out really well for her. Uh, They're the only I always said that the only path forward 
that DeSantis really had was to say, look, I know that this is Donald Trump's party, and I loved his presidency, and I would love to see the return of his policies too. I don't know if he can win with all the obstacles in front of him. I believe that I can, and I can serve two terms. And even if he had made that point expertly every day, maybe he'd have gotten another percentage point or two. I don't think it would have come out any differently, not any differently. With Nikki Haley, whose base contains so many Democrats and independents and people who not only are not conservative, but aren't even Republican, there is no path forward, none, Trump last night. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing... uh like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, last last week we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around. I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. And then I looked at the polls. She was talking about most winnability, who's going to win. And I had one put up. I don't know if you see it, but I have one put up. We've won almost every single poll in the last three months against crooked Joe Biden. Almost every poll. And she doesn't win those polls. And she doesn't win those. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. And you, uh, you have the... You have the very, the now very unpopular governor of this state. This guy, he's got to be on something. I've never seen anybody with energy. Coming after Chris Sununu. He's like uh, hopscotch. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching this guy, and two weeks ago he said, we're going to win, we're going to win in the last side, we're going to win. About three days ago he started saying, well, we want to do well. That's a big difference. But I walked out just now, we're 14 points up, and I don't know what it's going to be, but when she was up here... Wound up being 11, for those keeping track. It's like 6 or 7, and, you know, with like 7% of the vote counted. Now, uh, let, let me just tell you, uh, we, uh, we had an unbelievable week last week in Iowa. We set a record. It was the best in the history of the caucus, in the history. And uh, I remember I sort of had the same feeling. I'm up and I'm watching, and I said, she's taking a victory lap. And we, we beat her so badly, she was... But Ron beat her also. You know, Ron came in second, and he left. She came in third, and she's still hanging around. <laughs> yes, 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 it appears that she is. Um, conflicting views that, that people can hold. Does she have a right to continue to run? Of course she does. Does she have a constituency that probably looks forward to voting for her? I'm sure they do. And everybody can do what they have a right to do. Uh, our buddy Mike Gallagher brought us an argument that said that she has kind of a duty to the party, uh, even a duty to the country, uh, if she wants the Biden presidency ended, to just kind of get out of the way and get behind the only human being who can now stop him. Uh, the, the notion of a path forward for Nikki Haley is delusional. So, sure, she has the right to stay in, 
uh, those folks who are eager to vote for her and what and what even is the Nikki Haley voter? It's a it's a it's a multi-headed creature. One head is uh, liberal Republican, uh, moderate squish. One is somebody who might be pretty conservative on some things, but is really up for forever war in Ukraine because she will give you that. Uh, another is just sort of the elitist establishment friendly flavor the the republicans for whom trump desantis the the populism the boldness ooh, ah, it's just too loud it's too spicy that's your nikki haley voter and that is you know I, people who are you know, who are thinking or would think about uh, think about voting for across the remaining states is probably about 20% of all the republicans roughly and and that's fine I mean, I was the guy who said that the DeSantis voters deserved a voice all the way through Super Tuesday. So it's hard for me to sit here and, you know, light a, a, a flaming pitchfork and take to the streets and demand her exit. But the journey that I took on Brother DeSantis, and that is that on principle and on paper and, you know, give, you know letting the voters decide is is a great – it's great. But what was made really clear to anybody with the eyes to see was that the voters had already decided and that there was no path for there was no reason to believe that DeSantis was ever going to gain on Trump. And there now is no reason whatsoever to believe that Nikki Haley will ever uh, gain on Trump. New Hampshire was her best state and she lost by double digits. New Hampshire was her best most fertile ground for a potential um, strong showing. And she didn't get destroyed. But if this is where the most fruitful eggs are in your basket and you lose by double digits, might be time. And in fact, I would suggest that it is time. So uh, what does the next month look like? Again, there were two re- <laughs> there were two reasons to watch MSNBC this morning. I know that's two more than you can think of. <laughs> Here are the two. One is just to, to watch the way the hard left responds to last night's Trump victory. They the left wants Nikki Haley not uh, to, to keep running and to do well, not because she is closer to their views, which she is. They may actually be a little concerned about her being the actual nominee. Because she might do, she might do pretty. I'll tell you, she might do pretty well against Biden. I mean, please, you know, my dog would do okay against Biden. But um, the reason they like for her to, they like her to be a thorn in Trump's side. They do not want the coronation. They do not want Trump to be able to have the focus and the free time and the latitude and the elbow room, uh, and and just all the available oxygen to do nothing but come after Joe Biden. They want him to be busied by, distracted by, occupied by her, which is why you got ridiculous moments like their savagery of Tim Scott. Did you hear anybody making this argument? Some Republicans did this. They said, oh, what's with Tim Scott? I mean, Nikki Haley, you know, kind of made his uh, career possible, you know, kind of elevated him and put him in the public eye in South Carolina. He owes her. He doesn't owe her diddly squat. He can support whomever he wishes to support. Tim Scott is more conservative than Nikki Haley. Donald Trump became the the endorsement choice of Tim Scott. Tim Scott may be the running mate choice of Donald Trump, and that's driving people crazy. I think you can see the fear in the eyes of the left about a Trump and Tim Scott ticket 
because of here, here come here come the balances ready. He's white. He's black. He's fairly coarse and sharp elbowed. Tim Scott is more mannerly and uh, and and more uh, I don't know more affable. Uh, Trump is a warrior every day. Scott is a true believer who comes at things in a sort of a more of a faith-based um, movement style conservatism. There is a complementary approach there that is absolutely worth thinking about. And I have a feeling that, that the left fears this, and that's why Tim Scott must be destroyed. And they attempted last night, look, they said, this is so sad. This is just so sad. Some of the... Um, Never Trumpers and the Rhinos said this too. It's just a sad day when Tim Scott is brought this low. Just look at this once proud man suddenly kissing the feet of Trump. Good grief. Listen, when you hate Trump so much that anybody who chooses to align with him must also be destroyed, look hard in the mirror. Mark Davis, 851. If you want Something to play with. Go and find yourself a talk. Also turning 83 today, along with Neil Diamond, the great Aaron Neville. Baby, my time is too expensive. And I'm not a little boy. 1966, Tell It Like It Is. Maybe my favorite Aaron Neville performance is the duet with Linda Ronstadt of Don't Know Much from 1988. All right, uh, let's wrap up the hour in Keller. David, Mark Davis, welcome. How are you? Hey, Mark, how are you? Good. Good. So um, in terms of the running mate that Trump should pick, I think we're in a unique situation where we have a one-term president. So how much should factor into his decision based on picking, for lack of a better word, a successor, someone who's a viable candidate? Mm -hmm in a strong position to run for president in 2028. Well, you make a strong point because whoever is Trump's running mate, should he win, would be the de facto favorite, one would think, going into the 2028 race. Uh, Presuming it's not DeSantis, DeSantis will still be there as a player in 2028, so that'll be kind of interesting. I don't know if it's much more of, of a factor because generally if you've got somebody who's never run before, has two potential terms in front of them, the same criteria apply. You still want somebody who voters can think of as being president if an unspeakable thing happens to the president. We always refer to it as being one heartbeat away. So um, I don't know if it's like 10 times more front of mind, um, but it is it, it is important because we are going to be looking at whoever that pick is almost certainly running for the top job in 2028. Yeah, that makes sense. Of course, a heartbeat away. You have to pick someone who can be president no matter what. That's it. Got a favorite real quick? Um, no, I, I'm intrigued by one of your colleagues who says he knows who it is. Uh, that I was, love your restraint. You, no, no, you, oh, <laughs> d- d- but that, that, listen, I knew, and I didn't want to really say this in case I was wrong. I knew that so-called secret would last about 72 hours, and it did. The name Trump gave to Dr. Gorka that Gorka then gave to Mike that Mike then gave to me, former New York Congressman Lee Zeldin, which would be, would be okay. great. But let's really be honest with each other. Uh, Trump could change his mind 10 times between now and when he finds Finally reveals it. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Here's a question to have in your mind. Since it's so doggone obvious that's going to be Trump, should he A, announce a running mate like, oh, I don't know, tomorrow, 
or or not so much because that person is then going to be savaged through February, March, April. For that reason, should he kind of keep it close to the vest until we get close to the July convention? Think about that. Give me a call. 866-660-5759. Mark Davis, 859. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.